Welcome to Coffee Talk with Linda. I'm Linda Davis. Thank you for joining me today. A little bit about myself before we get started. I love Jesus. I love coffee. And I love sharing both. So go grab your cup and let's talk. Imagine if we could walk around and ask people spiritually, did you clean your hands? Did you wash your hands? Are your hands clean? What have you touched today? Is it okay? Are they clean? It's vital to have clean hands. Those are the very ones that can approach the throne of God. I love Psalm 24. The whole Psalm is amazing. But verse four answers the question that is asked in verse three. Verse three asks, Who shall go up into the mountain of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy presence? The answer, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. He who has not lifted himself up to falsehood or to what is false, nor sworn deceitfully. Verse five, basically paraphrasing it. That's the one that will receive the blessing from the Lord in righteousness from the God of his salvation. And goes on to talk about this. This is the generation. What, who's the, what, what are you talking about? Who's the generation? The one, the generation that's willing to not lift themselves up to falsehood, not lift themselves up to what is false, not to swear deceitfully. That's the generation that will seek him more in a way of holiness which we have not seen, actually. We have not seen a generation do that. We've seen glimpses here and there. But truthfully, there's a huge disconnect between what people believe or between what people say they believe in their actions. We've actually, it's like there's a divorce that has taken place. While my beliefs are over here in this corner of the room, my actions are over here in this corner of the room, The condition of my heart is over here in this corner of the room. My opinions come from this corner of the room. And so we have all these little different portions of our life where they should all come rooted and grounded out of what we believe, not just segmented, right? This is my life, not yours. This is what I believe that scripture to say. This is what I think God meant. Our opinions on this don't matter. What does the word of God say? When that verse was spoken, what is it interpreted to mean? That is what God was saying for then. And then you put your ear to the heart of God and ask what he is saying to you. This is the generation, Psalm 24, 6, of those who seek him, who inquire of and for him and of necessity require him, him being God, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. That's powerful. And it goes on to talk about who is he, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I mean, there's a very clear call in the the New Testament of how we're supposed to live, what is considered not pleasing in the eyes of God. And somehow we've removed our desires from the truth of holiness. And that causes our hands to be dirty. And we need to have our hands washed with the soap of the Holy Spirit. 
Having clean hands and a pure heart will require us to make choices that we maybe don't really want to make. Sacrifices we really don't want to make. This is not a self-pleasing life we're here to live. Will we simply cry out like David did in Psalm 139? Will we pray to the Lord to genuinely search our heart? That's what this is. It's a, it's a prayer, right? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. And when genuinely praying this and genuinely waiting on God's response, to our petition to test us and know our anxious thoughts and know our heart and seeing if there's any offensive way in us and leading us in the way to having those clean hands and a pure heart we just talked about from Psalm 24. We have to be willing to wait and respond. Wait on him to show us what needs to be corrected, realigned, completely tossed out, and be willing to do those things. I mean, David's asking God here, search my heart, search my thoughts. Like, give me a 20-point inspection test. I want to know. I want to know if you find anything in me that I don't realize is there. Is there anything offensive? Does anything in my thoughts or my heart or my actions offend you, God? Have we ever asked God that? If we are willing to ask him that, I promise you, he will respond. Is there anything in my thoughts, in my heart, in my actions that offend you, God? Last thing I want to do personally is offend God. I don't want that to happen. When you study out that word search, right? Because he's asking God to search him here. When you study that out, it actually means to ransack. Like, okay, so picture, <laughs> it's an interesting uh, picture, but picture the police busting through your front door, or maybe they knock, coming in your house. They're searching for something they think is in your house, right? We've seen it on the movies. Maybe you've seen it in your house. And they just literally tear apart everything. They dump the drawers. They empty, they empty everything out, any buckets, any containers, any desks, it just, you know, it gets trashed. They're searching, they're ransacking, they're turning the owner of the house's life upside down. So think of that in a spiritual way and asking the Lord to search our heart. He's going to come in and ransack our hearts. He's going to turn every area upside down and shake it to see what's in there. And this search will be felt by us because like David, we should desire to know if there's something in there that we don't even realize is in there that is impacting our walk with the God, is impacting our ability to genuinely approach him in a personal relationship, that is impacting our ability to have better relationships around us, anything Lord, is there anything that, let's take it a step beyond offends you. Lord, is there anything that grieves you? 
because we don't look at our actions as that bad to be grieving God. Anything that is not of God, he considers evil. See, we've measured evil. We think evil's really, really bad. You know, some horrific things we've heard of, those are evil. We kind of weigh sin in our lives and other people's lives. Like we put it on a scale and make an adjustment. But to God, anything that is not good is evil. I mean, this is a courageous prayer. This is asking for your world to be rocked. This comes from a hungry heart. Like, I just want all you have for me, God, and I want to do all you desire me to do. I want to accomplish everything that you caused me to be on this earth to accomplish. That's what he's hungry for. And when we're hungry like that for the Lord, we will not hold back on our pleas to have clean hands and a pure heart. I mean, David goes on to say in Psalm 139, like, I can't hide from you. Wherever I go, you are there. So just come and search my heart. Just show me, right? You know all that is. You know all that is me anyways. There's not even a word on my tongue that you don't know about. You know it all. And I'm just kind of pulling from Psalm 139 here. Where can I possibly go from your spirit, your Holy Spirit anyways? Like, like where can I flee from? I mean, where can I flee to? That your presence is not there. So when, where can I flee that I'm going from your presence? Right, if I go up to heaven, you're there. <laughs> if I go down to hell, you're there too. Like I can't hide. If I think the darkness is gonna cover me so you don't see me like Adam and Eve running and hiding behind the tree, did they not know God knew where the, he, they were? He knew. There can't be anywhere that anything is hidden. The darkness isn't gonna cover us. We might feel better in it, but it's not gonna cover us. I mean, he goes on to say in verse 13 of Psalm 139, you did form my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You knew, you knew before I knew. And then he goes on to say, I will confess and praise you for you are fearfully and wonderfully and for the awful wonder of my birth. My frame was not hidden from you. Even when I was being formed in secret, you knew me, God. You knew every choice, you knew every word, you knew every decision. You knew every cry, you knew every joy. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. The very one that we tend to turn to last knows us the best. Nobody else saw our unformed substance. Now remember, this is the this is long before ultrasounds. Like we don't we read this now and we picture an ultrasound because we have that ability. Think about it. When David was writing this, of course there was no such thing as ultrasounds, and he's describing an ultrasound here. You knew, you knew my unformed substance before anything even took shape, any of my days. And then, pretty amazingly, he goes on to pray at the end of Psalm 139 for his enemies, the Lord's enemies. And David's like, I, I hate them that hate you. And am I not grieved? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the perfect hatred, which is interesting. They've become my enemies because they're your enemies. But wait a minute. Search me thoroughly, oh God. So he's going back to what he started out in. Search me thoroughly, oh God, and know my heart and try and know my thoughts and see if there is any wicked or hurtful way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. I want to shift for a moment on this whole, did you clean your hands 
Are your hands clean? Create in me clean hands and a pure heart. We've been talking about holiness. We've been talking about the condition of our heart. But let's shift this for a moment. And let's talk about not having any person's blood on our hands, which would cause our hands to be dirty. It would have something on our hands and something that I genuinely believe is if God is telling us to speak a word, if God is telling us to speak truth and we hold back because we don't want to offend somebody, if we hold back because we don't want to lose a relationship, then the blood of that person's era is on our hands. I've said this time and time again. I believe one of the highest forms of love is speaking truth. And I feel like for myself personally, I would rather tell you the truth and lose your friendship than have you falter away in some capacity with the Lord. I would rather take that risk. My love for you is so great that I'm willing to risk the relationship to bring you a word in truth and love than I am to not say anything to you and have you fall away or have you hurt yourself or someone else. And that's costly sometimes. Now, that doesn't have to be dealt with or delivered harshly. If truth is, I don't feel like you can separate truth and love. I believe truth equals love and love equals truth. If we deliver just truth, but it's not wrapped in any kind of love, that's damaging. If we only love and it's not wrapped in any kind of truth, that's also damaging. So there's a thing to speaking truth from a place of love. That's how I believe Jesus functioned. He spoke the truth all the time and it cost him, cost him his life in the long run but he always did it from a place of love. And so we have to say what we have to say. We cannot stand idly by because we're uncomfortable or because we don't want to make somebody feel bad. You you can't be responsible for that if you know you've delivered it in love and it was truth and you were supposed to say it. Then the blood is on their hands if they do not respond in a way God's desiring them to respond to whatever the situation might be. Whereas if you choose not to speak truth because you're trying to spare somebody an offense or a hurt, or you're trying to save a relationship, then the blood is on your hands. And if you go to Ezekiel 3, this is an issue that is addressed. In Ezekiel chapter 3, I'm trying to decide where to start here. God is telling Ezekiel, I guess in chapter 3, verse 11, Right, go out, go out to the Jewish captives in Babylon, the, to the children of your people, and speak to them and tell them this. And so he delivers a word of the Lord, and he's lifted up in the spirit. And God tells him down in verse 17, Son of man, I have made you a watchman to the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. And if I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you, Ezekiel, do not give him warning, or speak to warn the wicked to turn from their wicked ways to save their lives. And I'm kind of paraphrasing it a little here. That same wicked man that you didn't want to talk to, they're still going to die anyway, but their blood will be on your hands, Ezekiel, or any of us for not speaking up when God says speak up in love. This is part of not having clean hands. 
In verse 19, yet if you warn the wicked, basically like I've told you to do because I've made you a watchman, and he does not turn from his wickedness, and he dies in his iniquity, so the same end result for the wicked man. One, Ezekiel doesn't tell him, but his life, his blood is on Ezekiel's hands. The other one, Ezekiel does tell him, and this is what happens. He, they're both situations he dies in his wickedness, but one situation, the blood of the wicked man is on Ezekiel's hands. The second situation, he says, but you have delivered yourself because of your obedience. That's why the scripture doesn't say that. I'm telling you that. And it goes on to say in verse 20, again, if a righteous man turns from his righteousness and some gift or providence, which I lay before him, he perverts into an occasion of sin and commits iniquity, which is sin, he shall die because you have not given him warning. He shall die in his sin and his righteous deeds, which he had done, shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require at your hand because you didn't speak up. Have we watched people slowly slipping into a life of iniquity, of sin, out of a life of righteousness they were once living and we chose not to speak up because we didn't want the price of the friendship? That blood is required at our hands. That's pretty powerful right there. But it goes on to say in verse 21, nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man not to sin, and he does anyway, basically. No, I'm sorry, I have it wrong. Verse 21, nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man not to sin, and he does not sin. In other words, he takes heed. He shall surely live because he is warned. And you have delivered yourself from guilt. That's so powerful. And he encourages Ezekiel at the end of chapter three. When I speak with you, I will open your mouth and you shall say to the people, thus says the Lord God, he who hears, let him hear. And he refuses to hear. He who refuses to hear, let him refuse for they are a rebellious house. But at least you did your part. You were obedient. Having clean hands is a blessing. We will be blessed in the cleanliness of our hands. Having dirty hands is costly. It's costly to us and it's costly to those around us. Paul actually talks about this and what's going on with Ezekiel in Acts chapter 20, verse 26. He says, wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. In Acts chapter 20, starting at verse 20, Paul is really kind of talking about what Ezekiel was talking about, right? Down in verse 26, he said, Therefore, I testify and protest to you on this, our parting day, that I am clean and innocent, not responsible for the blood of any of you. In other words, I have told you what I was supposed to tell you, and now you will have to do with it what you do with it. And we can hear him say that going back to verse 20. How I did not shrink from telling you anything that was for your benefit, not that made you feel good, but that was for your benefit and teaching you in public meetings and from house to house. I'd like to tell you stuff that makes you feel good all day, but I have got to speak the truth to you because I love you. Just like parents with children, they correct them because they see something better in them. They know they can do better than what they just did. Verse 21 of Acts 20, but constantly 
and earnestly, I bore testimony both to Jews and Greeks, urging them to turn in repentance that is due to God and to have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And then you jump down to verse 26. Therefore, I testify and protest to you on this our parting day that I am clean and innocent and not responsible for the blood of any of you. Verse 27, for I never shrank or kept back or fell short from declaring to you the whole purpose and plan and counsel of God. So powerful. And then he goes on to warn in verse 28, take care and be on God for yourselves and the whole flock over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you, bishops and guardians, to shepherd, to tend and feed and guide. Shepherd, the church of the Lord, of God, which he obtained for himself, buying it and saving it for himself through his life and sacrifice of dying on the cross with his own blood. Watch out for one another. Speak truth to one another. Bear testimony of the importance of repentance. Don't shrink back from telling somebody something you know you've got to tell them because you don't know how they're going to take it. Now, I will say delivery of telling somebody something makes a difference too. Like I said earlier, we can't have truth and no love. And we can't have love and no truth. Truth and love are intertwined with one another. And it's a part of having clean hands. So when we're asking ourselves, maybe, are my hands clean? Did I wash them thoroughly? What we really need to ask is, is my heart in check like David asked? Is there anything hidden in me, Lord, that you need to show me? Am I offending you in any way, Lord? Like we, I actually think we worry more about offending other people than we worry about offending God. Like we don't really picture, oh, he's offended. We just like, oh, he's gonna forgive everything. His grace and his mercy are new. I'm good, I'm all set. And all that is true. But have we offended God by a condition of our heart? And the other side of that is being willing to speak the tough things that need to be said. People will never step into true freedom in the Lord if we don't tell them the truth about some things they may be bound up in. If, if we walk side by side with a friend that has an anger issue, but when they get angry at, at little things and we aren't willing to speak up to them and say, hey, maybe you should see why you're so angry about that. Maybe something's off here. And we don't want to say that because we're afraid of offending them. We're afraid of that costing us the friendship or we're like, oh, that's their deal with God. But maybe God's highlighting it to us and they can't actually see it because we can't always see our own faults. But we're not willing to say it. They'll stay in their anger, but that the blood of that anger is also on our hands. And that's a high price for both the friend we wouldn't say anything to and ourselves. Now, I'm not telling you to go around and point out everybody's faults to them because there is a time when a person is ready to hear what God is wanting to say and God is the one that knows that. I'm talking about if you know the Lord is stirring you to speak up about something in a friend, a family member, a coworker, somebody you walk with and God is stirring you, prompting you to speak up and you're holding back because you don't want to offend the person or you don't want the truth to cost you the relationship, then that blood is on your hands. You can't do that. You have to be willing to let it cost you. 
I mean, there is a scripture that warns us, you know, because people don't like to have their faults pointed out to them, no matter how genuine you you are, no matter how much uh, love you wrap it in. Uh, people will, you know, look at marriages and how quick we are to get defensive. And when, and then we realize, we know actually, typically the more defensive we are, the more truth we're being told. But we've been warned in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, that the time will come when men will not tolerate sound doctrine. They will not tolerate truth. They instead will gather themselves around teachers to suit their own desires. I call them yes people, right? Uh, If you have a circle of people that only say yes, only do what you want to do, how you want it done, when you want it done, go where you want to go, that, that, you don't have anybody in your life that will challenge you or hold you accountable and be willing to speak truth to you because they love you, then you're never going to grow. You're never going to step in the fullness of freedom that God has for you. Don't have itching ears. Don't pursue people that will just tell you what you want to hear so you will feel good on that day. Clean hands. Are your hands clean? Do you allow the Lord to come in and ransack your heart. And then also, do you allow the Lord to use you as a mouthpiece to speak a difficult truth wrapped in love? When we're doing these things, our hands are clean. 